Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. And um, I'm going to pray right now. Um, our, our title for today is Becoming a Fisher of Men, but I just want to pray uh, real quick. And um, Lord, we love you this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here. Uh, we have ears to hear today, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. So I said turn to Mark 16, and um, so we're jumping into our third part of our series that um, has been kind of based out of that concept that we're calling a theology of place. Now, you won't find that in the Bible. You won't find a theology of place. But what that is, is something that we've kind of been learning about the importance of three main areas, three main places that the Bible reveals that we are to focus on as believers so that we would, um, God desires us for to spend time with him and then also to minister to him. Because you know, you can spend time with him, but you know what? We're supposed to minister to him as well. Did you know that? Yeah, we're supposed to minister unto him by, you know, praising him. By, by talking to him, um, and then not only that, but also ministering to each other. And so over the last couple of, of months, we talked about the secret place where we go to spend time with him, and then we talked about the gathering place where we gather here, and so today we're talking about the public place. And the public place definition that I want, to work, I want us to work with is this. The public place is the spaces and places where God calls believers to live purposely for the goal of witnessing to unbelievers and to those who have backslidden with the good news of Jesus, okay? And if you take a look at it and you think about it, the public place ministry has always been on the heart of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's always been on, let there be light. But it's always been on their heart. And, and, it, and, and when you look at it, you could see that evidence when you take a look at Jesus as he walks through the Gospels. When Jesus walks through the Gospels, we see him encountering people, right? He has these encounter, encounters with them, but Jesus just doesn't like, leave them alone, what does he do? He ministers to them. He speaks to them. He encourages them. And so here Jesus is, he's walking in, like, again, if you're reading it in, that, in, that, in the um, New Testament, in the Gospels, he is walking into the public places of people's lives, and he is actually pouring out to them. Some, some of the examples, okay? We have the Samaritan woman, right, at the well, the woman at the well. Here she was, she's getting water, but man, she's had six relationships. And Jesus starts talking to her. She, he could have shunned her off. He could have said, ah, yeah, man, you, you, you're so messed up, you're so jacked up, you've got so many things going on. No, you know what? But no, you know what? What did Jesus do? He ministered to her. About the paralyzed man, when his friends came and opened up the roof and dropped him down. And Jesus ministered to him. What about the, the demon-possessed man that was in the tombs? 
Jesus ministered to him. What about the condemned woman who they were going to stone to death because of her adultery? Jesus, what, ministered to her. And then you got Zacchaeus, the little guy in the tree. Jesus could have kept walking right on by. But he recognized and noticed this guy needs ministry. This guy needs love. This guy needs me. And so we can see in all of these various accounts where Jesus is encountering people, and really, I think it just, it just goes along with so many other people that he met, that in spite of all kinds of human failure, because this is where it really comes down to in the public place, despite of all kinds of human failure, Jesus appeals to the person in their need to show them that he is the one, that he is the answer. He is the one who meets the need despite of all that human, human failure in their lives. And he interacted with people, with, and, and he acted and interacted with them with, with just a total like faithfulness and truthfulness and consistency with them. Right? He delves into the innermost part of who they are. Right? The heart issues that are going on. And he, this is the great thing, he deals with it head on. He, Jesus never skirted around the issues, but he always dealt with people right on where they were at. This, man, I noticed this in you. We need, we need that to change. We need to have that cleared, cleared up. You've got this sin that is, you're, you're trapped in. So he never, you know, kind of skated around it. And then you see, you know, and, and part of that is just that perfect unity that Jesus walked in with the Holy Spirit. Right? And as the Holy Spirit and him worked together, then it was like Jesus was able to um, just become this, this stream of life-giving water to nurture and to grow and to feed people. Right? To ultimately quench the thirst that they had, that every human needs. Right? Because when we are stuck in the consequences of our fallen world and our spiritual corruption, man, we, are, we, we find ourselves dry. We find ourselves needing this, this, this living water that only Jesus can bring. And the great thing about it, it wasn't temporary. It wasn't a temporary supply. It was a complete and permanent supply of God's grace, God's love, God's mercy that Jesus offered to everyone he encountered in that moment. And here's the thing for us to recognize. He's still in the business of doing that today. He is. But how? Right? That's kind of the question. How, how is he still in the business of doing that? By him being introduced to people by his people. Intentionally. With purpose. At a heart level, that's a key, at a heart level in the public place. See, Jesus wants you to introduce him to others. Now, for some of us, man, that, that might be kind of a challenge. Where we look and go, man, Pastor Scott, man, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. But let, let's keep going here. 
Okay, and in Matthew chapter 16, verse 15, now I'm sure all of you, I'm pretty confident all of you at some point in your journey with Jesus says, I have heard, right, the Great Commission. Well, this one, this is part of the Great Commission, Matthew 16, 15. It says this, go into all the world and preach, which means, you know, announce, give witness to, like you're on a witness stand and saying, hey, yes, I'm telling the whole truth, nothing but the whole truth, Right? And here you are, you're, you're telling them about Jesus. But it says, uh, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. That means in your spaces and places. All right, everyone say it with me. Spaces, spaces. And, places. and places. Okay? You all have spaces and places, just so you know. And so when he's saying go into all the world, he's saying, hey, you know what? This is not an option. This is something that we should do. His intent is that you and I would be purposeful about his mission. See, sometimes we'll we'll, we'll bypass that a little bit and go, yeah, well, I'm saved. It's all good. But see, he's purposeful. he's, He's coming at it with the extent of, no, this is something that, you know what? I want you to participate in. I want you to be a part of. And it's working with the Holy Spirit in your lives to lead people to repentance to lead people to be saved, to have a relationship with Jesus. All through the good news. All through the good news of the gospel. All through the good news of who Jesus is. See, every single one of us, if we've asked Jesus to be in our life and to be our Lord and Savior, then you have good news to share. That's how we should approach. I have good news to share. Every single time that I am in contact with somebody, I have good news to share because I'm sure that Jesus pulled you out of something in your life or maybe even the fact that he, he kept you from something in your life that would have been detrimental. I look back on my life and I see all the times. I, I, I grew up, I guess you could say a church kid, and all there were times in my life that, man, I didn't really follow the Lord the way I should have, but man, I look back on it now and I see his hand very distinctly on situations that could have went a lot worse in my life, right? But by his, by his grace, it was by his grace. So then Jesus solidifies the heart of the Godhead by establishing this mission for us as believers in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So if you've got your Bible turned there, if not, you can read it up on the board. This is what he says in Acts 1.8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. There again is that kind of courtroom idea. Telling people about me everywhere. It says in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? So in other words, for those who were, were there, right, who were listening, they, they heard his promise, and, and what I think about it, too, is the fact that it's actually even a statement. He's saying, hey, if, if, if you're involved in this relationship with me, this is what you are going to do. You need to be doing this, right? And so they hear it, and for those people, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria were their public places. They, they understood that. They got it, right? But for, he, for us, we might read that and go, well, man, I'm never going to Judea. I'm never going to Jerusalem. I'm never going to Samaria. 
But the intent of what Jesus was talking about is the fact that, you know what? He wanted it to register in our hearts that Jerusalem is where you are actually at now. Right? Jerusalem is your family. Jerusalem is your neighbors. Jerusalem is your workplace. Then he goes on and says, Judea. Right? Judea is just outside your normal day-to-day. So like when you go shopping at some place or when you go somewhere to eat or you run across somebody you haven't seen in a long time. That's a little bit out of your normal. But there are times when, you know what, we might be shopping and the Lord might point somebody out to you. That's what he's saying. Hey, get ready. You might have to, in, in, in Judea, have to be able to be ready to give an account of who Jesus is because his heart is always for people all the time. And then he said Samaria. So for us, it's a step further outside your day-to-day, right? It's your crossing, you crossing, possibly social norms to give witness of the good news of Jesus. And what I mean by that is that might be, you might be, see someone on the street. You might see someone who's homeless. You might be someone who's struggling, going a hard time, and you're going to cross social barriers. And you're not going to care what you look like or what people might think of you. But you know what? You know that the heart, God's heart burns. Burns with desire to have a relationship with this individual. And we've got to be able to break out beyond just, you know, our little box. It's tough to minister in the public place if we just stay in our little box. God wants us to break out of those boxes. And then he says, until the ends of the earth, right? That basically just covers everywhere else. Wherever he may take you. So Jesus was instructing them, and really all of us, to start where you are at and then work your way out. Start where you're at and work your way out. It's not big to small. And what I mean by that is sometimes we we get in our head, well, the public place must be something big. I got to be a part of something big. I've got to go, you know, with a big, huge witness team, an evangelistic team, and I got to go do this in some other country. I would consider that maybe big. But see, Jesus didn't operate that way. Jesus always went small to big. He dealt with individuals heart to heart. And then he knew when he dealt with individuals heart to heart, it was going to have a ripple effect. And it was going to go to big. Right? So if you're an introvert, you can breathe a little bit deeper right now, right? Because it starts something small. It's just the way Jesus operated. Each time, each time he had an encounter with people, that impact moved, you know, exponentially moved outward. And the great example of that is just the woman at the well. He has this encounter with her. He's talking to her. He tells her, man, I, I, I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah. And what happened? 
Remember, he was, he was meeting her at her level. He was talking to her and saying, hey, I am who, who, who you need. I've got everything you need. So what happened next? Small. She took that, and what did she do? She went back to her city. Hey, I just met a, I met the Savior. Scripture tells us then all these people came to Jesus, came to know Jesus as the Messiah, came to believe in Jesus. So it went from what? Small to big. See, we have to understand, you know what? Jesus can use our small. <laughs> he wants us to serve small. If we can't witness to our family, if we can't witness to, 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 to you know, just our, even our neighbors, and our, it's, it makes it hard. He doesn't want you, he doesn't want you to hide in the big. Because it's really easy to hide in the big. It's a lot tougher to get to the small. But see, here's the deal. He's equipped you to deal with the small. He really has. You might say, well, I don't know about that, Pastor Scott. You just don't know. No, no. Yeah, yeah, you know, you, he knows. As long as he knows, he's willing to work with you, right? He's willing to give you whatever it is, the words you need to say, all of those things. So we're going to look at, at, at a, uh, some men that you guys may be familiar with, that encountered Jesus in the public place that marked them as Jesus' disciples, right? Who were supposed to be then become witnesses for him, introducing him to others in the public place, intentionally and with purpose. And it was after Jesus died on the cross. It was after Jesus was raised again. And, and before we get into that just in, in a minute, I want to kind of give you, I guess, what I could call a public service announcement reminder about Jesus's message in the public place. This is what he says in, in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. It says, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is what another version says, um, and I totally cannot remember what version that is, but it's, it's the CEB. Sorry. It says this, now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. So when, what Jesus was saying and what he was preaching was the kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. And if you don't wake up and pay attention, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. It's what Paul was referring to in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. He says, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. It's a call to everyone who is approaching. It's a call to everyone who is approaching God religiously, not through relationship. Because people approach God religiously, but not in relationship. 
right? And what happens when we approach in that a religious idea and thought process, it really does cause us to sleepwalk through our church experience, our life experience with God. We just kind of sleepwalk through it. But see, Paul was trying to remember, hey guys, don't sleepwalk in your relationship with Jesus. Don't sleepwalk in your relationship with God. This is all about relationship. This is about connection one-on-one, not just some religious act that I come on church on Sundays because I'm supposed to. He said, man, it's all about that. And when we sleepwalk, there becomes this inward emptiness. Inward emptiness. But see, when Jesus shows up, when we start to have a relationship with Jesus, then that emptiness is just kind of pushed to the side and the light of Christ comes and fills our lives. Comes and fills us. But see, there's people out there that need what you have. They need the light that you have, the, 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 the light that you gave and, and said yes to and, and Jesus working through you. There, there are people out there that just need that light. But see, and, and we can't be the ones who squash it and say, well, no, it's only for certain people, sorry. It's for everyone. It's for everyone. But see, that comes from that secret place and that gathering place, right? That you're, you're, you're especially being focused and paying attention to. Now, back to Mark chapter 1 again, and let me get into these guys right here. And he, it says this in verse 16. And he, he, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make, make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Now, I love this word become in what Jesus said here, because it implies gradual a gradual process of training. Hey, you'll become fishers of men. It wasn't like, bam, you're Billy Graham, right? Bam, you're this person. No, he's saying, you know what? Each individual, I know exactly where you're at. I know your personality. I know everything about you. And you know what? I am going to help you become a fisher of men, right? Jesus is in the process of this. The Holy Spirit is in the process of this. It's gradual growth into it. So we don't have to feel all of the pressure in the world that I've got to be, right? But see, if we're getting into the word of God and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to train us, then you know what? It just begins to naturally come out. It just naturally kind of arises from us. So we have Simon and Andrew left, left it all to follow him and then it happened again in Mark chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. He says, he, he, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, and immediately he called them and they left and went after him. So here, here, here James and John did the same thing too. They walked out of the family business. Now I'm not telling you you have to walk out of your family business, okay? Just so you know, okay? Or whatever it is. But they walked out of it at Jesus' invitation. But see, we have to recognize that, you know what, even though Jesus is giving an invitation to us about ministering in the public place, it's not really an invitation. It's more of an 
hey, you need to do this, right? You, you, you need to be actively kind of involved in that. And, right, and, he, and, and at the time, I'm sure they didn't even get it. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean fish for people? Because, you know, I think it would be easy to understand if Jesus said, hey, follow me. I'll make you more spiritual. I'll make you more disciplined. I'll make you more successful, healthier. Man, I will make you a, a better husband, a better wife. And whatever else you need, or man, or I'll make sure, you know, for sure you're going to go to heaven. Honestly, that's kind of what we signed up for, wouldn't you think? Right? No, no one really kind of, you know, thinks about, oh my gosh. I mean, I bet. Now, I know I'm not supposed to bet in church and all that stuff, right? But I like my odds that 99% of us did not sign up so that we could fish for people. That wasn't in the original plan. But the reality is, the kingdom reality and principle is, is that the heart of the Father is that following Jesus and fishing are connected. Which, which leads me to, to the first of our four truths. The first one, no one signs up to fish. So then why did those guys follow him? If nobody signs up to fish, yet he said, hey, come follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. They probably didn't even know what that meant. Right? They, I mean, there's nothing there. I mean, they could have been confused by it. But, but the reality is they followed him for the same reason we did which had nothing to do with fishing. And so what I want to do is I'm going to have them play a clip, and I want you to watch this clip. It's from the movie Chosen. And instead of me reading the scripture, I want it to play out here on our video. Zeb, come around. Sometimes the sea bests all of us. Not your night. Simon, it's him. Excuse me. Time for this, Andrew. It's him! Simon! It's the man! John said he's here! Right now! May I ask a favor? I'm teaching these people, and apparently they're having trouble hearing me. If I could stand on your boat, that would be helpful. They're having trouble hearing you, huh? Yes, yes, of course. Please, please, stand on our boat. Thank you. I need to go. I'm sorry. No time for this today. Stay a few moments longer. I have something for you. For me? Uh, I'm in a hurry. Yes, I know. In my last moments with you, I want to share another story. Because I'm on this boat, my final parable should be about fishing, yes? Simon, please send me that net. This net gathers fish 
All kinds of fish. Yes? Yes. All kinds of fish. And the kingdom of heaven is like what happens next. After the net is full, Simon and the others draw it to the shore, sit down, and sort out the fish. The good fish go into the barrels, and the bad fish thrown away. So it will be at the end of the age. Angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into a fiery furnace. Do you understand? These parables I tell make sense to some, not to others. Be patient. That is all for today. I have some business to attend to with my new friend. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. At your word. Brother, and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me, 
I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, I'm sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. Fish are nothing. You have much bigger things ahead of you, Simon, son of Jonah. Did you understand that parable I told earlier? From now on, I will make you fishers of men. And you are to gather as many as possible, all kinds. I will sort them out later. Now, what, a, what a powerful picture, right? You, you know, you look at it and Peter, one, I love how that they show the picture of Jesus looking straight into Peter's eyes. But, but Peter recognized, man, there is something about this man. He is the Messiah. But he, he looked at it as though, you know what, um, man, you just made a difference in my life. And, and really, that's kind of the same thing. I mean, it had nothing to do with, you know, kind of that idea that, you know, that that yes, I caught fish, but man, really it's about total surrender to whatever it is that, that Jesus wants us to do. And part of this is that, you know, the fact is that, you know what, Jesus, you made an impact and a difference in my life. And now it's me giving away and giving to others so that Jesus can make an impact and a difference in, in their lives as well. But see, they followed because of that. Originally, not because, hey, I'm a, I want to go fish for people because they didn't even understand it. Right? But we followed because we knew that, you know what, Jesus could wash away the guilt, wash away the shame, wash away our fear, wash away our sin, physically and emotionally heal, physically and, 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 and emotionally just heal us of all those inner hurts and all those inner wounds. You know, also just to, to even kind of break free of, of addictions and live in peace and comfort. I mean, there's, there was so... All of these are, are, there are so many reasons to follow Jesus, but man, I don't know. I don't think fishing was one of them at the beginning, right? Yet Jesus is very clear. Let me give you the second point real quick. Fishing is part of following. Fishing is part of following. Mark chapter one, verse 17. Then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And so again, let's, just recognize that Jesus is involved in the process. But he, he uses this phrase intentionally, I believe, when he says, I will make, right? Because it paints the picture of a poet creatively forming and constructing and producing something that is a, not a cookie cutter, run of the mill, off the, the assembly line product. 
Meaning that, you know what, when Jesus takes each one of us and he makes us, he's going to make us fishery, he, he, not all of us look the same. Not all of us deal with people the same. Not all of us are going to have a robotic good news. Here it is. No. We all have different bents. We all have different ways of doing it. Some deal with in compassion. Some deal with it black and white. Some deal with it in, in, in ways we present it. But here's the deal. He's saying, you know what, just as a poet creates and, and puts together this beautiful poem, I am creating each and every single one who is a believer. I am creating you to do it in the way I've gifted you, in the way I've created you. So it won't all look different. It won't all look different, but you know what? Each one of us has an ability to, to be able to make this happen. And then, let me give you the third one. My, my, my points are real short today. Jesus promised to make us fishers of men. And again, uh, there, you know, there's always that recognition that for some people this not, might not be very comfortable because that's way out of your comfort zone. It's scary. It's awkward. But the overall point Jesus was trying to get across to Peter and to others and to us, we are just supposed to naturally trust him. Even though we didn't sign up for it, we are to trust him just like we would trust him to make us fishers of men just like we trust him to forgive us of our sin, to heal us, to work in our lives, right? That's a walk of faith. That's a walk of trust and all the things that we signed up for. But in the same process, we are supposed to trust him with the same amount of faith that says, you know what, Lord, I might not be very good at it. That is not in my comfort house, in my comfort zone or in my wheelhouse, but you know what? I'm going to trust you that you are going to work in me and grow me to where I, at however I am beautifully and wonderfully created, how my emotions run or how I'm whatever, you are going to use that so that I can start in Jerusalem. I can start with my family. I can start with my neighbors. I can start from small to big. He, he wants to develop us to become fishers of men in the public place. And we know that to be true because just look at the 12 disciples, right? In the book of Acts, we see them transformed, empowered, Right, inspired to the point that man, they are they began to catch and teach others about following his fishing. And then those people went on to share about who Jesus is, introduce people to Jesus, right? And then they began to understand it. And then they said, Hey, following is about fishing. And then what happened? The cycle went on and on and on. But we can see, you know, in the gospels that they all didn't always do it right. Right? I mean, Mark, I, I mean. That, that kind of helps put some of the pressure, I think, off. Mark chapter 10, the disciples chased away kids. Jesus said, why'd you do that? Why, why are you chasing away the kids? I wanted to use them. I wanted to bless them. I wanted people to understand about the illustration of what faith looks like. Why did you do that? And the disciples were like, oh, sorry. Hey, bring the kids back, right? 
Before, they just thought, like, oh my gosh, Jesus can't be bothered with kids. Then in Luke 9, two disciples became angry when they went into a village because they did not receive Jesus the way they thought. They were inhospitable to Jesus. And so they asked Jesus, hey, can we call fire down from heaven to just, just wipe these people out? I mean, you talk about just great evangelism, right? Not very loving, but these guys were all fired up. But see, Jesus, then Jesus says, no, no, you can't. You cannot do that. I, I, I get the I, I picture. Just think if they had emojis back then in, the, in, in, in Bible times, right? I get the picture of Jesus, you know, kind of doing the like this and sending an emoji to God. Like, oh my gosh, no, right? You, no, you do not do that. But this is what his heart was. This is what Jesus' heart was in, in Luke 9, uh, 9.56 says, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. See, and we've got to get to a point when we are in our ministry, a public place, we got to approach it in love. Truth with love. Oftentimes what happens is people try to approach it and they try to approach it in, in condemning people, trying to, to, to make them just, you're nothing. You're, you're, oh my gosh. Jesus is no, 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 no moment. My heart, guys, guys, we're not calling down fire from heaven. But my heart is, is so that these people would be saved, right? And our hearts kind of need to be in that that thing. So I can just imagine after Jesus says that, you know, kind of the whole neck slap thing, you know, what are you doing asking him to do that? But see, they weren't perfect. But over time, right, Jesus developed within them this passion and this confidence to fish. Just by following and learning in the public places they went. Because Jesus it's Jesus' heart to fish in the ugliness of people's lives. That's Jesus' heart. He wants us to go, hey, man, there's some ugliness in your life, and I, I want to help you. I want to help you be able to navigate that. I want you to help you to be able to overcome. Because you know why? why? Because Jesus sees the beautiful picture of what that person can become when they're in him. See, I think we, we, we lose sight because it's got to be some big thing, but in the, in the, in the very small, smallness of public, public place ministry, we need to start asking God, God, let me see the beautiful picture that you see in this person. If they're in you, that would help us to look beyond the crud and the, the yuck and the, and the ugliness of it all. But man, that, that takes us pressing in and asking for that heart. Asking, asking, Lord, let me see the loveliness in the people I encounter, even if they're not following you. It, it's, it's how we should be.
And my last point today, we were all fish once. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 through 13. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Don't forget that Gentiles used to be outsiders. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. And that passage right there is just describing you and I. Right? And praise God that someone bold enough in their public place ministry witnessed to you and I. Whatever that looks like. It could have been your mom. It could have been your dad. It could have been someone in the workplace. Whatever it is, but they were bold enough to fish. So in that picture, we have to understand that, you know what? I'm here because of them. I know I'm here because of somebody that one day poured into my life. And if, and if that's still kind of intimidating, I, you know, I got, no throws, I got no stones to throw at you at all. But I, I, I simply want you to, to bring this before the Lord wherever you fit, wherever you stand on that, because the public place ministry is, is God-ordained. And if you have fear about it, if you're not really sure, you're very uncomfortable with it, I get it. But, you know, at the same time, go to the Lord and say, Lord, help me. This is my struggle. I don't know if I have what it takes. And the thing is, you don't need a three-point sermon to love people. You don't need a three-point sermon. You don't need all those ducks in a row. What you simply need is just the heart of the Father to begin to just look him in the eye and say, Jesus loves you. But it, we have to get to a place where we are just coming before the Lord and asking him and just being honest about how we feel and what areas we need help in. And then ask him, just like we ask him, hey, Lord, Come and help me in my finances. Lord, come and help me in my health. Come and help me in, in this area of my life. Same principle. Come in faith and say, Lord, help me in my ability to fish for people. Help me in my ability to minister in the public place. Because it's on your heart. Teach me how to do it. Teach me how to go to my Jerusalem. Teach me how to go to my Judea. Teach me how to go to my Samaria. And teach me how to go to the ends of the earth. He knows exactly who you are, just like he looked in the eyes of Peter in that video. He's willing to look in our eyes too when we have fear or we're un unsure or kind of not, I don't know. He's willing to look and say, follow me, I'll show you. I'll teach you. I'll help you through it. And so this morning, I just want you to bow your heads for a second.
And I know uh, Corey had us practice this earlier, but I, just for a very brief moment, I want you to be quiet before the Lord. And if you find yourself kind of in that wrestling match, what does that look like? Then I, then I, I just want to encourage you, ask God to help you. Overcome fear. Lord Jesus, you are so gracious. Let us stare deeply into your eyes as you look at us and say, wow, what a beautiful picture. You are because you're in me. And then, Lord, flip that in our hearts so that we begin to see those around us as you see them, as you look into their eyes they look even into our eyes they would see your eyes seeing the beautiful picture that they can become that that we see they can become so give us boldness give us keep working in our hearts keep working in our lives help us to be able to put this all together Lord and Lord help us to recognize small to big Start at the small, small places and then get to the big. But it starts there. So I just pray boldness, courage, humility, love over our people today. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.